Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast, where you can learn how to improve your diet, lose fat, and get fitter in a sustainable and fun way without spending hours in the gym. Here is your host, Darren Kirby. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. This is the number one podcast for men in their 40s who want to improve their health through nutrition and fitness. This is episode 112, and on today's episode, we are speaking with Dr. Jeffrey Hackett about the topic of testosterone and specifically low testosterone in men. Jeff Hackett is a past professor of men's health and diabetes at the University of Bedfordshire and a consultant in urology and sexual medicine at Good Hope Hospital in Birmingham. Professor Hackett has a major research interest in the role of testosterone in metabolic syndrome and type 2 diabetes. He's the author of over 130 publications in sexual medicine and has two original books on male sexual health and andrology. Hi, Professor Jeffrey. How are you? I'm good today, yes. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for uh, giving me the time today to, to appear on the podcast. I think um, the topics that we're going to be talking around today about you know sexual health and physical health in men is one which we've already discussed is hugely under discussed and appreciated so I'm really keen to to kind of get your insights today but for people that haven't come across uh, Professor Jeffrey and your work can you give us a bit of insight into kind of your background and how you've come to where you're at today? Yeah uh, well I, um, I I trained and went into general practice um, uh, as doctors do early on, and then discovered that uh, I, I wanted a bit more. And I, I had done high-level academic jobs in my training. Uh, and um, I, I really had a, a bit of a eureka moment when I uh, went with, to a local hospital and met a, a uh, urologist. This was in the, in the 80s. Right. And I saw him give an injection to a man and saw him get a prompt erection within a, a couple of minutes. And I thought, this is what I was destined to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so the, I, I got involved in research and the, the early development of Viagra, which is probably the, the most famous drug of the last hundred years, uh, and did all the trials for that. And soon realized that this was uh, the gateway into men's health. This was right. the, the best predictor Uh, of men who were going to get heart and metabolic disease. And that sort of changed my entire approach. So I then went half time and got a hospital post running a a, a clinic as a consultant in uh, Good Hope Hospital in Sutton Coalfield. And then eventually uh, the work became uh, full time, such that I was offered a chair uh, at uh, initially at Keele University and, and, and now uh, I, I, I'm at Birmingham uh, and uh, entirely in, in men's health. And I do all okay. men's health now. Right. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because when we talk about the topic of men's health, instantly the, 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 the image that comes to mind is this, you know, men's health magazine. But I think if we really are honest, that is 
the scraping the surface of men's health. And, you know, you, you mentioned their erectile dysfunction. It's often like not a taboo subject, but something that's taken in jest when you're talking about it in a group of men or, you know, it's seen as a stress related illness. But as you, you alluded to before we started recording, it's far from that. So I'm really keen to kind of dig into that today. Um, yeah. Obviously, we're going to talk about low testosterone, but I really want to highlight the 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 issues that, you know, erectile dysfunction can mean that you potentially are facing absolutely because uh it's it's the best marker that there is because when you have an erection you get an incre huge increase about six times the blood flow into your penis that you have at rest and whereas the average guy in his 40s and 50s has given up uh testing himself by running or going to the gym this is the one thing that's a, a test that he might conduct two or three times a week mm. uh, of his cardiovascular system. And if, if that blood is not getting into the penis, that's telling you that you're going to have problems with other blood vessels around the body. Right. And a, a, a long-term friend of mine, a cardiologist called Graham Jackson, was the first to point out that erectile dysfunction was a strong predictor of a heart attack within the next five years. Wow. It was the best, best predictor that there was. Yeah. But the average man waited at least three years before he ever saw a doctor about the problem. And he was then likely to be dismissed by the doctor that it was stress and he should just chill out. Right. Right. So we missed so many opportunities. So, but why is that though? I mean, as, as doctors and, and with a lot of the training that's done, why is it then that, you know, if a man goes to a doctor for that condition, is it just deemed that they either need to get less stressed or they need to take Viagra? It's not seen as, hold on a minute, this is a red light or a red flag to potential other issues. Is, it, is this more focused on the resources of the NHS or is it just a lack of understanding? I, I think it's, it's the resources of the NHS. Right. Uh, because this because, um, uh, you know, even in the work that I do, the structure of, of medical specialities, you can't be a men's health specialist. Mm. You have to be put in a box as a urologist because right. that's the tradition as to where they go. But you're not you're not dealing with bladders and, and prostates. You're dealing with really cardiovascular medicine. Mm. Uh, but you're not a cardiologist. So, so right. a lot of it is classification mm. and a lot of the structure as to what GPs do and what they get paid for is related to the way work was 30, 40 years ago. Right. It hasn't, hasn't moved up. Yeah. And, 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 and one of the conditions is that one of the problems is that GPs get everything dumped on them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, and uh, as we were saying earlier, that there's quite a lot of incentives for them to look after women's health mm. because women's health involves pregnancy, family. Um, uh, it involves cervical smears and preventing cervical cancer and breast cancer and whatever. Uh, there hasn't been that sort of link with men's health that, that, that luckily we know there is now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it, yeah, it's interesting. But again, you know, as, as we've already spoken about, whilst, you know, 
it's an important topic that we're talking about, it's still way underappreciated and way under discussed. And often, you know, a lot of this comes back to like low testosterone, but where, where would you say, or is there a link, you know, so if somebody feels like they've got low testosterone, you know, outside of erectile dysfunction, what are the common symptoms around that? Because a lot of the guys that I come across generally they had one of their biggest or two of their biggest problems are weight gain and low energy. So how does that correlate to low testosterone or, you know, is that the start of something when you can understand that you've got low testosterone? Absolutely. Uh, the, and the link between uh, obesity and low testosterone is because of what we call visceral obesity. That's the, the fat around the tummy If you. Women uh, put fat on around the bottom. Yeah. And and, uh, and they find that embarrassing because of uh, wearing nice clothes and whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, but met for men, sometimes a nice big belly is a, a sign of good living. Yeah. But it's that visceral fat there that's highly metabolically active and dangerous. Right. Because it produces some pretty bad chemicals, uh, one of which is aromatase which uh, which is a, a, a hormone that converts testosterone to estrogen. Right. So that man is actually becoming feminized. And right. if you look at some of the television matches where the, the guys love to get their shirts off at the match mm. uh, and you see them there, often they've got man boobs, yeah. which is because of the effect of the estrogen levels. Mm -hmm. uh, and that estrogen is fighting against their testosterone and the, in terms of their body shape. Right. And, and if you could see more detail, you'd actually see that their, their testicles and their penis was, was beginning to shrink right. from what it had been in early days. So these aren't good body changes to get. These are something that every man would like to change if he could. Mm. Uh, and the, the other important thing is that, that as the testosterone level falls, mm -hmm. it's a vicious circle because you produce more fat uh, and you're, you're, you increase your chances of becoming type 2 diabetic. So there's a right. strong link between low testosterone. You have a three times greater risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Wow. And a major study just published uh, a, a few months ago from Australia, uh, where they looked at over a thousand men with low testosterone and they treated some and they gave the others placebo and both got intensive lifestyle intervention with gym memberships, regular phone calls from dietitians yep. over two years. And there was a 40% reduction wow. in progression to diabetes in the men who had testosterone. Yep. And they lost twice as much weight. They lost twice as much visceral fat mm -hmm. and their quality of life scores improve significantly over just diet and exercise alone yeah that that's fascinating really because i think again you know it's often seen as it's also it's almost socially accepted isn't it in some ways is that you get to you know you get over to the 40s 40s 50s and 60s and like you said you know it's a sign of good living if a if a man of that age has you know big lower belly fat um yeah. but but in terms of the kind of i guess prevention around that you know again you often see a lot of guys thinking well i've, I've got this weight or i'm carrying this fat and i want to get rid of it so 
in a typical kind of sledgehammer to crack a nut way, us men tend to go out and either smash an exercise hard or, or, or go yeah. to a class, do an endurance event. But from what I've learned over the years, that is actually not the way to do it. And I'm really focusing on nutrition. And I don't want to say diet because I have a big issue with dieting in general, because I don't think that's the answer. But you know, you, you hear guys saying, well, I've eaten the same way that I've always eaten over the years and I don't understand what's happening. The reality is they're probably not eating ha- ha- as they used to. They're, they're eating a lot more. But what would you say are simple steps for guys listening to this that are, that are now looking down at their bellies as, as, they, as they listen to this podcast thinking, wow, yeah, maybe I need to, to, to pay more attention to this? Well, I think they uh, they uh, they need to consider going to see their GP to have their testosterone level measured. Okay. And certainly they should do that if they've got erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Now, um, uh, I, I routinely uh, ask every man who comes to see me about erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, uh, the reputation soon got around that I was, uh, I was sex mad in some way, <laughs> uh, but, but I took this as a compliment. Yeah. So even, even if he came in with a, a bunion, Mm-hmm. You were uh, uh, you were likely to, particularly if you were overweight, you were likely to get a question about your erections and a short five question questionnaire. Mm-hmm. And and I, the message there is that um, that should be investigated in every patient. So if you have yeah. an erection problem, you should have your blood pressure done, your cholesterol, um, right. your liver function, uh, our, our diabetes check and uh, testosterone plus a couple of other measurements like SHBG, uh, perhaps the f- level of female hormone, your PSA. Right. Uh, so it's, it's, it's the perfect way into a, a, a men's health check yeah. and, the, and the blood tests that are needed. You should always give the, um, uh, the nutritional uh, and dietary advice. But a lot of men glaze over when you begin to talk about this they've heard it all before yeah they've seen some do good a nurse who wanted to change them and they you can almost see the glaze come over <laughs> their face but, yeah. but by bringing by actually them thinking that they might be better in the bedroom within a few weeks that's a, a big motivator for them to to take on what you're saying but you've got to sell it as a package yeah yeah no i completely agree with that i think it is you know if it's just general well the what they consider to be general advice unless there's an issue we tend to kind of ignore it and like i said before you know i i come across and work with a lot of guys where you know they they have had a health scare and now they're paying attention and like you say you know to try and just give them general advice they tend to tend to glaze over but you know hopefully from obviously doing this podcast people can start to get an understanding that whilst you know daily you might be okay-ish you know I would argue you don't know what it's like to feel good until you feel good and and therefore you know these these kind of general kind of I guess lack of energy lack of libido stuff like that you may well be accepting that as just that's life, but it's not, yeah. that's not life, is it? And I think that's the, the, the point we want to emphasize today is that that's not normal. Yeah. And, and those are the sorts of things that also point to a, a diagnosis of testosterone deficiency. Mm. Uh, and, and those are the things that can improve quite early in the process. Once you start treating, I see some men who come into my clinic whereby when you start 
talking to them that they're almost dozing off in the consultation whether that's the monotony of my voice but <laughs> i think it's it, it's actually the fact that that's that's the level of their functioning you find guys who are uh, are falling asleep at work yeah and they're having they're ha- in the afternoon they're having to find a quiet room where they can have a nap for an hour and hope that nobody sees them mm. and perish the thought those who are out doing driving jobs yeah pull into a lay-by and have a have a kip for a while now just think about if they don't yeah you know how dangerous that that can be so so these are things that i turn up all the time and when you actually treat them sometimes they come back a couple of months later and you see them then you have to do a double take Mm. because it's as if a light switch has been thrown on the back of this guy and you've you've switched him on because his whole facade is different it's like a different person's coming back to see you i've not seen anything like that with any other medication that i've used over the years no, well, I, I mean, I can speak from personal experience about eight years ago, you know, I was four stone heavier than what I am now. And um, yeah, when, when I got my nutrition in check and I started to exercise the right way, it was it's exactly as you describe. It is almost like you've you've given that person a Duracell battery, you've switched them on and the, the, the mental clarity you get, the energy you get, the zest for life you get is incredible. And you know, until you experience it, you don't know what it's like. So, you know, but there, you know, there's, there's kind of two kind of camps, isn't there, from what I understand. And there's, there's, there's guys that are gen, genuinely have a, a testosterone deficiency, not through lifestyle choices, but then there are the, the, a large majority that have the deficiency through lifestyle choices. So, you know, where obviously we can go and see a GP to get tested, but is there kind of some some areas where we could maybe sit down and reflect on what we're doing on our lifestyle and think actually a lot of these factors are pointing towards low testosterone? Yeah, well, there, um, apart from just lifestyle, there are a few medical things that need to be considered. Right. Um, you know, for example, you, you find uh, I, I find some people who turn up in adulthood who've had childhood problems where they might have had a childhood cancer treatment. Right. When they were much younger, mm-hmm. they might have had um, surgery on a test on an undescended testicle or something yeah. like that. And nobody thinks that when that person gets to 17, 18, 20, mm-hmm. that one testicle is going to be non-functional or it's been hit by some radiotherapy when they were younger. Yeah. And those specialists have saved their life. So but what could that it's unreasonable for that man to expect a, a normal sex life when he reaches adulthood because you've done your bit, you've saved his life. So they yeah. present sometimes very late. The, the other things are some medications, uh, painkillers. Uh, what painkillers do? They don't just affect the brain in terms of suppressing pain. Those chemicals that are suppressed in the pain pathways are also the same chemicals, neurotransmitters, that are involved in the feedback processes for testosterone production. So around about uh, 50% of men on repeat prescriptions for painkillers, which may have been given for prolonged back pain, a back Mm -hmm. pain injury at work or something like that. The other one is antidepressants. uh, uh, And you don't have to be on the antidepressants for much longer than three to six months 
wow. for those again to switch off those pathways. Mm. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, you I turn up some people who might have gone to the gym at some stage and been induced to get a quick fix by having some anabolic steroids. Mm-hmm. And the problem with those men is that, that they often deny that because of shame and fear that they might be categorized. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and, uh, and so they, 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 they don't admit to it. And it's only when you present them with a set of blood tests and you say, the only explanation for these tests would be that a person's likely to have had some anabolic steroids in the past. And only that time do they come clean. Right. So those are probably the, the major ones, along with, of course, the obese patients that you've, you've talked about. Yeah. So, so with those pathways that are switched off from taking that medication, then presumably if you stop taking that medication, those pathways will reopen up, but is there, you know, it, or, well, I guess there's two questions really in that is one, can those pathways be damaged by that medication? And two, you know, what is the kind of general time that those pathways, if they can reopen once you stop taking that medication? Uh, that, that's variable according to how much you took and for how long. Right. You know, so if you were somebody who was swallowing 12 high strength painkillers a day and, and mm. you can get into the habit of, for example, coming down for breakfast in the morning and before you've even looked at the, the crunchy nuts, you've taken, uh, you know, it, it's happening by reflex. You don't actually yeah. know that you're taking painkillers. They become a way of life. You know, I'm going to uh, go take the dog for a walk. Two painkillers go down yeah. before you even set out. So, uh, uh, so when you're taking that sort of dose, in a few cases, it, you, you wait a year, 18 months, it's still not reversed. Right. So, wow. so in those cases, you can't, that, that man can't go on like that. No. So you have to bite the bullet and treat him and then reassess later as to whether it's, it's improved spontaneously. Yeah. Okay. That's fascinating. I mean, that's a long time period for that to recover, isn't it really? Once and, and the antidepressant syndrome can be, even worse that can be even longer because if you think about it what we take for granted is that despite how bad life is if we get depressed we take an antidepressant for three or six months and then miraculously in our body in our brain we've got some reboot button that will take us back to normal yeah that's not the case for some that their their life situation is exactly the same there are problems they can't deal with Mm mm-hmm that are still there. And so therefore, when they stop the antidepressants, uh, they would rebound. And yeah. so therefore, somebody puts them back on the antidepressants again. Wow. So it's a vicious circle, isn't it, really? Yeah. 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 So what I would like to go back to, though, something you mentioned about earlier, and it's around visceral fat, because obviously there's the, the, the abdominal fat, visible fat that you can see around the belly that, that most men display. But, you know, there's often cases where you hear, you hear of this um, phrase of like skinny fat. So the person might be skinny, uh, but they might have a lot of brown fat, a lot of visceral fat around their organs. So yeah, yeah. in that instance, uh, you know, around the testosterone estrogen scenario, ca- does that and can that still apply? Oh, definitely. But and they're, they're the problem cases. Right. Uh, because un- un- unless you do a... 
uh, CT scan, yeah. you, you don't see that uh, internal fat. And it right. can be, of course, in, in the liver. So yes. one, of, one of the clues for those is if you do a liver function test mm-hmm. and you find uh, abnormal tests, mm-hmm. and yet the patient's not a, a heavy drinker, they've got no other reason for um, uh, metabolic disease, mm-hmm. they can be the idiopathic fatty liver. So, uh, And that, as you say, goes with fat around the other visceral organs. They're, yeah. they're trickier. They're more demanding, yeah. And and but that the, the same still applies then I'm assuming from a testosterone estrogen level when you have that visceral fat that is going to bring down your testosterone and raise your estrogen. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And the estrogen, of course, uh, can switch off libido on on its own. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. bad for libido in in in, in men, and um, it's also often bad for libido in women, and and we could have another talk on a time that women are now benefiting from tiny amounts of testosterone yeah. to improve their libido. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I'm, I hear a lot now, cause obviously that there's a lot of focus around veganism and plant-based diets that there are cases where a lot of people are switching to that kind of modality of eating yeah. and therefore are raising their estrogen levels because of the foods that they're eating. What's your views and thoughts on that? Yeah, there's, there's clearly, uh, if you look at over the decades, there's a cl- clearly a fall in men's testosterone levels. Yeah. And the theories are that, it, that, it, uh, that it's due to uh, crop sprays and whatever used around the world, that they're yeah. toxic and, uh, and, and affecting the pituitary function. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to that, there's some cases of estrogens being used in, to prepare nice quality meats that men eat more than women so we're, so these are these are problems that are difficult to change because they've become they've become ingrained mm. in the way farming is done and, yeah. uh, and we're not going to be able to change those overnight no uh, and uh, unless we seek to find out sources that don't use them yeah so so what when when someone comes to see you, and I would imagine, and I'm making a, an assumption here, that many men who come to see you with either you know erectile dysfunction or their their belief that they have low testosterone, that they they come to you not with an idea of what the 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 cause is, but they come to you with a symptom. What so what what would you how would you first start to approach it now i just want to make a disclaimer this is not medical advice this is just me asking professor jeff he's kind of the way that he approaches things but but it's um you know where do you start because i'm making an assumption you won't just automatically prescribe you know testosterone replacement and all the rest of it what where would you start with with situations like that well uh as i've said um uh, erectile dysfunction would be a trigger for me to always measure uh, the testosterone level in that patient yeah um, and dependent upon the level because we know that uh, low levels below say eight nanomoles per liter that person's going to be pretty symptomatic so it's a right. combination of low testosterone levels and distressing symptoms if yeah. you've got if the person hasn't got particularly distressing symptoms then you may well um you, you collect a second reading because you never treat anybody on one isolated re- reading again. Yeah. And if those levels are, uh, are low, lower than eight, 
then there's good evidence that you, you should tell that patient that they are at increased cardiovascular risk. Right. And just as if you just you, as though you treat somebody's cholesterol or blood pressure, mm-hmm. if they were at the levels that showed uh, a cardiac risk, then you should treat these men. But at the same time, give them the advice to get those risk factors down. So to be able to lose weight, exercise more to preserve mm. muscle function. Uh, you'll always do that at the same time. And, and that's always news to them. But if, if the man has borderline testosterone levels and his major problem is erectile dysfunction, mm-hmm. you may well try um, a, a PD-5 inhibitor, which is a Viagra-like drug. But I'd like to get away from Viagra because I think that came along. It was the first drug in its class. Mm. And it's should have been superseded by a much better drug in, in the class, which is a drug called Tadalafil, which was originally Cialis. Right. And, and if I've got somebody with reduced libido, if you think about it, um, if you give uh, somebody um, a tablet to take an hour before they have sex mm-hmm. and they have no interest in sex, mm-hmm. that's a total waste of time. It's yeah. like buying somebody a 2,000 pound set of golf clubs and they have no remote interest in golf yeah the finest clubs in the world will not take them onto a golf course to become a golfer it will stay in the cupboard so therefore uh, the advantage of giving them the daily tadalafil is that that begins to work and restore morning erections and once you begin to see your body restoring those morning erections that you had when you were younger Mm. that erection feeds back to the brain and begins to make you have sexual thoughts mm-hmm. that you've lost for some time. Yeah. And then the sex will return in a healthy, normal fashion. Mm-hmm. Not that, not as it has been for so long where you say to your wife, Saturday night, 10 o'clock, <laughs> but not, not if the baggies are on, yeah. uh, forget it. Yeah. On match of the day. Yeah. That's hardly the most romantic thing for a woman to hear. Yeah. And you can only have it once a week because that's all the doctor will give me. Right. So, yeah. so that's largely become my practice. And then when you follow the patient up, if that's dealt with his symptoms and the testosterone level hasn't fallen anymore, then he's far more likely to take the whole package of lifestyle because he feels this doctor knows what he's talking about. I've seen... Yeah the immediate benefits or buy into everything he's saying. Yeah. And you might not need to give testosterone therapy for that man. Right. Okay. So again, it's almost like a bit of a domino effect, isn't it? Once that those levels are up and it's restored, they then, you know, instinctively want to, you know, go further. They want to explore more. They want to understand more. They want to, you know, get better at their health. And that's, that's definitely something that I see with the guys that I work with, you know, once they, it's almost like they get their vitality back and it, you know, they kind of return to, to their early years, you know, twenties and thirties in terms of their desire and appetite for life in general, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. I mean, and, 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 there's, and there's no doubt that um, the major cause for cause for relationship breakup in this country, which, you know, divorce rates, as we know, run at, over 40%, getting nearer yeah. 50, uh, is uh, sexual incompatibility. It may mm. then translate into arguing a lot. 
but um, it, there's very few relationships that do break up if the sex life is is very strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we also know that there are huge benefits of sex. You know, several trials have shown that sex three times a week significantly reduces your risk of heart attack. Yeah, that's amazing. That that yeah. was the Kafili cohort study. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and, uh, you know, but it, it seldom washes for a guy to say, love, we've only had sex twice this week. The <laughs> third time will prevent my heart attack. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I've, I've tried it. I tried it for a couple of years, but the, the novelty wore off. After yeah, a I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting thing to try and use, I guess. So um, obviously we mentioned about the erectile dysfunction, but I really want to just highlight the potential um, areas and, and diseases which can come as a result of having erectile dysfunction, because I, I really want to be clear on, in today's episode of, you know, the, just how serious this can be if guys are experiencing this and what the potential ramifications are if they don't treat it. So can we just go over a few of those again, please? Well, uh, of course, that the major one is cardiovascular disease, because yeah. as I've said, if the blood vessels to your penis aren't working properly, the blood vessels elsewhere aren't working properly. Right. Uh, then, then of course, uh, there's depression. Okay. Uh, because uh, because there's nothing that hits a man's self-esteem mm-hmm. um, uh, more than failure in the bedroom. Yeah. And and for m- many men, it's uh, failure once or twice means mm-hmm. that you seek avoidance. That avoidance may turn into drinking more heavily. Mm-hmm. Uh, to uh, so your wife goes to bed, you stay down, have a few more drinks, and and if that's happening every night, that only uh, leads to one way. Yeah, uh, and 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 th- therefore, of course, we're then slipping into the higher risk of all the diseases, liver disease, diabetes, that drinking more heavily uh, mm-hmm. can cause. Yeah. Um. Uh. In terms of uh, it, it, it's likely to cause the man to. Um, withdraw from lots of other activities right. and become a little bit of a couch potato and, and sit at home and feel sorry for himself. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, those, those are the major problems. Of course, mm-hmm. the, uh, the low testosterone we've talked about can be associated yeah. with, with, with other conditions. Yeah. But w- when, we, when we talk about cardiovascular disease, you know, that's, that's quite a big topic in and of itself. So yeah. specific, I mean, are we talking about, you know, potential heart attacks and things like that? You know, the real yeah. kind of common words that people would understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there the are a couple of famous trials where they've looked at men who were admitted with heart attacks and then gone back, mm. looked at their testosterone level, uh, looked at their erectile function. And those are the ones that showed how good a predictor uh, it was. Yeah. But, but, you know, on top of that, you've also got high blood pressure. You've got heart failure, which is, okay. of course, means that it just doesn't pump as well. Yeah. Which means that when you try to exercise, you'll get out of breath earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, there's, there's actually, um, I, I, I've written a couple of papers suggesting really that we need to think about the benefits of the drugs like the PDE5 inhibitors, the Tadalafil, mm-hmm. that, uh, that they, if you have a drug that is improving blood flow through the vessels of your body as you age, yeah. 
there's going to be huge potential benefits. We've we've all searched for years for the the poly pill, this thing right. that a doctor could give men as they age or even women as they age to add years to their life and life to their years, ideally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I believe that Tadalafil is the closest we've got to a poly pill. Right. Because if it inc- include, improves blood flow, mm-hmm. if you take one and then go on a treadmill, you will produce about 10% better exercise test wow. after a PD-5 inhibitor. It improves blood flow to the kidneys Mm-hmm. And kidney failure is often progressive as we age. Right. And that's largely due to repeated vascular damage. It improves the circulation to the legs and feet, right. which is important, important, particularly in diabetes, because, as we know, people end up losing toes and yeah. having numb feet that they can't feel any sensation because it's the blood supply to those nerves that is lost in diabetes. Right. And once it's lost, you can't get it back. Those nerves are dead. Yeah. There are also uh, improvements in cognitive function. Uh, people have had memory tests and whatever, and it's shown that if you're taking one of these drugs, the blood flow improves and your mental capacity also improves. Yeah. So, so there's, there's quite a lot of, yeah. of, of benefits. And believe it or not, you might think it hurt everything, but there's also uh, good evidence that they protect against COVID wow. because one of the things that kills you with COVID is this intense inflammatory storm that they keep talking about, yeah. which usually manifests itself in the lungs mm-hmm. uh, and you normally die of the respiratory complications. Well, PD-5 inhibitors, particularly Tadalafil, is licensed to treat various severe lung conditions because it reduces inflammation right. and improves the function of blood flow to the lungs. Okay. So people are beginning to point out now, if we want something that we can take that can protect us against COVID, mm-hmm. and by the way, they might improve your erections. I'm not, yeah. I don't think I'm going to get many men who say, well, <laughs> I don't, don't think I want something with those side effects, doctor. No, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's super interesting. That's really fascinating. I think that's um, definitely something that people should be aware of and consider, um, yeah. you know, if, if, they're, if they're facing issues. But before we started to record, um, Professor Jeff, we, we were talking about obviously men's health in general. And, you know, I'd really like to take this opportunity on today's episode to really highlight, you know, men's health in general and other areas that really you know, as men, we should be, we, we should be aware of, or at least consider, because as we, we said, you know, the NHS is a, is a fantastic institution, but unfortunately, you know, we can't, or we shouldn't be putting the responsibility of our health just in their hands. We have to take responsibility for it ourselves. And so, you know, what other areas would you say for you as obviously being in the, the industry for so many years, would you say that, you know, as men, we need to really, really consider. Well, well, as, as we were saying earlier, men are poor attenders at general practitioners. Mm. And I was telling you of a, of a study that I did some years ago of, uh, of 360 doctor GPs in my area. And 55% of them were women doctors, even at that stage. And of those doctors, 
uh, 62% of the women doctors stated that their interest was women's health. Mm. And out of the 360 doctors, only one stated that he had an interest in men's health. Mm-hmm. And he was he was working for me in the clinic. So his 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 interest had really come from my inspiration. Now, how can that be? Yeah. How can how can the doctors of this country uh, not be interested in 50 percent of their patients? Yeah. And, and, and when you go into general practice as, as men, you often feel that you're going into a female environment. Mm. It'll be 100 percent female staff um uh, uh that the, the nurses will be a hundred percent female yeah and the doctors are more than half female now so where it, the male doctors are almost becoming an endangered species right and i've seen a number of female doctors who said that for me as a male doctor i couldn't possibly understand how a woman feels about things yeah and then i also hear from them that they know better about how men feel about things than I do. So even my experience of being many years in a man's body, they still yeah. know more, think they know more about men than, than I do. Yeah. So I'm beginning to feel pretty obsolete and useless. Mm. So, so we've got this, uh, the fact that uh, men don't complain as much and they just get yeah. on with it. And then the society doesn't help them when they do run into trouble. Uh, and you can almost see this uh, that this man up approach, as you said, when you go yeah. and see a doctor, uh, if you started to cry, whereas if it was a female patient, not that they would do at the moment, you feel like putting your arm around them yeah. and cuddling them better. But, you know, you can get into trouble if you do that too much as a doctor. <laughs> yeah. But, but you, 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 your, in, your instinct with the man is, oh, pull yourself together. Yeah. You know, man yeah. up get on with life, that sort of thing. And, and, and that, that doesn't help. Uh, and also there's, there's, there's no men's health specialist. The woman, you can refer to a gynecologist and there'll be mm. Birmingham Women's Hospital, Man- Manchester Women's Hospital. If anyone knows a men's hospital in the country, then please let me know because I've driven around most cities and never found one. Yeah, uh, which- uh, yeah, as we were saying, even the payments for doctors, they get paid a lot better for looking after women's problems. They get no payment for looking after men's health problems. And so the guy who wants to have a 20-minute chat about his erections, the doctor will be looking at his watch fairly quickly and not seeing this as a useful consultation in terms of his priorities. Yeah, which it, it just, that absolutely astonishes me what you just said there around and i'd never even considered that before you know because you have women's you know specialist women's hospitals children you know specialist children's units and things like that i've never ever considered the fact that i've not heard of a, a specialist men's hospital you know you hear these specializations in different hospitals for different medical conditions but not gender related um and yeah and i just kind of we're in 2021 you know yeah. why is that uh, and and i really i definitely was in the camp probably 10 years ago of the man up scenario um unfortunately i've not had a health scare that i've needed to not do that but i generally am in the, the position now where don't man up 
we need to talk up we need to speak yeah. up we need to have these conversations and um because it is life-threatening you know the stuff that we're talking about is generally life-changing life-threatening and you know if we if we boil it down to families you know if the if the the male or the man of the house um you know has a massive life issue it has life-changing circumstances for not just them but their families as well because the majority are the breadwinners and so we really need to raise this conversation i feel we really need to talk about this more and i know there's a lot being spoken around mental health men's mental health right now and that's valid and that's justified but how about men's health just in general you know I think, and, and I, like I spoke to you before we started to record, I don't know how we're going to do this, but I definitely feel compelled that I want to be part of something that really raises this, whether that's a charity, whether that's a movement, I don't know, but it definitely feels like we have to start talking about this more. Yeah, and um, it, 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 it frustrates me because, you know, I've talked about the, the, the lack of specialists and um, a colleague of mine, uh, Professor Kirby, when he started writing a men's health book, his wife, who was a, a, a nurse, said, a book on men's health? Surely yeah. a pamphlet would do. Yeah. Uh, and if, if you go in, there's something like five times as many books on women's health as there are, as there are on men's health. So, uh, uh, and yet, the perception out there is that women are fighting for equality. But in terms of health, I think they long since overtook men yeah. in terms of equality. There are obviously problems still in the workplace that everybody's trying their best to rectify. But in terms mm. of healthcare, I think they long since overtook men in terms of what they get from the health service. Yeah. But, uh, but the, the bottom line is, though, that that system isn't going to change overnight. No. And in the meantime, if the man's got to um, pay for something or take control themselves or uh, then then that's the way it's going to have to be unfortunately yeah. until we can get, can get this sort of change yeah definitely I think it will be but I, but I also think there's, there's there's people like you and I who who have an opportunity to, to raise awareness and have a voice and use various different platforms to do that and um, yeah I mean this is a super interesting conversation but obviously we can't talk about this forever and all day as much as I'd like to but before I let you go, uh, Professor Jeff, what would you say are the five top tips that you would give men listen to this who either, you know, potentially think they've got low testosterone or, you know, erectile dysfunction or just general health? What would the, be the five top tips you would give them to kind of um, become more aware and do something about it? Yeah, well, the, the five top tips that I would give uh, would be uh, to uh, don't, in, uh, don't ignore erectile dysfunction. Uh, get yep. uh, an assessment early and get blood tests because it is the best predictor of, of impending uh, 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 critical disease. Um, if you're excessively tired or, or, or uh, lost libido, low energy levels, don't put it down to the seasons, the weather, uh, the fact that your football team are doing badly, COVID, whatever. Yeah. Uh, go and get a testosterone level check because the statistics are uh, that if you're age 50, then round about 40% of men will have low testosterone levels, and wow. particularly if you're overweight. Yeah. So it, 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 you have to do that. 
um, have as much sex as possible because uh, the use it or lose it is very true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, and if you can convince your partner that this is part an essential part of your workout regime, then that's even if you have a laugh about it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great thing, and the sex tends to be very good yeah. if both of you are are actually uh, involved uh, physically, rather than one of you having fallen asleep during the act. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, don't uh, comfort eat right. after your problems. So, so don't fall into the traps of. Um, it's easier to get takeaways. It's, uh, it's, it's easier to just, you know, break open a, a bottle of, of lager when you come home. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we're all also likely to go mad now that we're allowed to go to the pubs again. And you can yes. see that people are the, that there's going to be some alarming figures yeah. uh, for the increase in drinking that will have occurred because we couldn't do anything else. And am I allowed to say, buy yourself a copy of my my book 100 100 uh, it, it's all in there uh there's some very funny stories in there i must confess pathetic as i am i still laugh at some of my own jokes in there <laughs> but there's, I mean... there's a lot of very serious messages in yeah. there um and i think it it it's a bestseller in my house anyway so okay. uh, yeah. so, so i think that's five that yeah. i yeah that, that's perfect. I th- and I think the title of your book, if you can just show that again, I think it's, I mean, that is enough to grab anyone's attention, you know, just Absolutely. a tiny prick as a, as a name of a book on a bookshelf, any man will pick that up and, and start flicking through that. So yeah, I, I highly encourage everybody listening to go and grab a copy. I'm assuming that's on platforms like Amazon and. Absolutely. And, 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 yeah. and, 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 and there's some, very, a lot of cartoons in there as well, right. which are very lively awesome that is fantastic yeah no thank you very much i really sincerely appreciate you you coming on to the podcast today and i hope we can continue this conversation um but for people uh, that want to connect with you find out a little bit more about you obviously we've got the book that you can go and get off amazon which is uh, just a little prick and then just a, um, just a tiny prick just a tiny prick. Sorry, yeah, I apologise. They, they, might, they, they might get sort of not located if they do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The and then how, how can people connect you? Have you got a website or any social media or anything yeah, like that? Just, uh, well, the trouble with the website, and I put this in at this last moment, is that uh, unfortunately in January, uh, I contracted uh, COVID-19. Okay. And was hospitalised for over three months. Wow. And, and three weeks in intensive care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during that time, uh, I defaulted on my payment to my website provider because right. I was in coma. Mm-hmm. And uh, having just picked up over the last month or so, you know, perhaps we could have another meeting on the disastrous effects of COVID-19 yeah. on so many aspects of life. Uh, then I, I've got to renew the domain. Uh, oh. one thing I've got to do this week, but uh, I'll do that today so that if they allow a week, uh, jeffreyhackett.com will be okay. up and running with all the tips they need perfect well, we'll link to all of that in in uh, the show notes and um yeah thanks very much for coming on to the podcast today and uh, yeah i look forward to continuing the conversation great pleasure but thanks very much thanks for listening to the fitter healthier dad podcast if you enjoyed today's episode please hit subscribe and i would really appreciate if you could leave a review on itunes 
All the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes and a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com.